Hey everybody, I've got a really big treat for you today on Coach's Corner. One of my favorite people in the world and someone who is truly a soul brother to me, Aubrey Marcus, is our special guest today. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because he's always been someone I can go to for insight that I know is based in a lot of truth and love. In fact, just before we started recording, he just he just talked me through something. And his, he is so committed to a mission that's bigger than him, and that shows up in a variety of ways, which we'll talk about. But you may know him because he's the founder of a company called Onnit that really is about empowering people to achieve their fullest potential. They've been a sponsor on this show before. You've heard me talk about how much I love Alpha Brain. And everything that Onnit does is based on a holistic health philosophy that Aubrey calls total human optimization. So we'll probably talk a little bit about that too. Aubrey has a degree in philosophy. He's a multi-sport athlete. Check out his Instagram page. He does some crazy stuff. And he just lives life with intense focus and purpose and consistently inspires me. So thanks, Aubrey, for coming on the show. Wow, that was an amazing intro. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> yeah. How sweet of you. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> all comes from the heart. So you, know, you and I talk a lot about mission and purpose. And I think we see with people from our friends to people in our tribe that when we're not committed to something bigger than ourselves, we can kind of get caught up in the things that really hold us back, like self-obsession, self-criticism, thinking something external is going to make us happy, getting lost in, you know, the the kind of rinse and repeat lifestyle. So can you talk a little bit just about what you see as your mission and why that matters so much? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think society sets us up for, you know, what they think that that a, that a successful life is. <clears throat> and that's money or a career or, you know, success in a relationship that ends in a certain pathway. And we get that in our head, but it doesn't always, you know, suit every individual that path. And, and most people, it doesn't because we're creatures of community. We're creatures filled with love. And, and, and the idea that it would just, you know, you can live a life satisfied just by satisfying your desire for wealth and your desire for power and success and, and, uh, and relationship. There's something more that, that people are called to. And, you know, that's what I define as, as someone's mission, you know, and, and it can include all of those things, but it's that greater purpose. It's the why that we're here. And I think for me, I was caught up in all those games of the world, all those things that I thought I needed to do. You know, I was started a marketing company, but I wasn't satisfied. I knew I had something else to do, but I didn't know what it was. And, um, you know, it wasn't really until I took a few steps further down the plant medicine path and really understood what my global purpose was here on the planet. Um, which in my mind is to help elevate human consciousness and share the experiences of all of my trials and tribulations on that path that I really kind of locked in. And, and when I figured out what my mission was, then on it actually became, you know, came to fruition. And, and I really I had to get myself internally clear before externally I could get everything that I previously wanted. So, you know, it was kind of this interesting thing where all I was doing was chasing success and chasing what the world would call success until I shifted my focus to, you know, trying to be of service. And then all of a sudden I got all the success that I yeah. had always been hoping for. And that's so the key. You know, and people hear me on the show say this all the time, like you, you've got to work on the inside and then the outside becomes so much easier. But it's so tricky because that's not what we're taught. You know, we're taught to go out and and get these things and then that's going to make us feel a certain way. And I think, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that it's 
different for men when it comes to purpose? Do you think that there's more conditioning and more pressure on men to go and achieve these external things and less support for them to do the internal work? No, I actually think it I actually think men have it easier because I think men, you know, the games of the world that that are celebrated for men are games of power, games of wealth, games of you know, things that are at least you can actually go out and and drive against resistance and actually do something to achieve, right? And it's not that it's the most healthy thing, what society says that a real man is, but nonetheless, it's at least like an active process where, where you're going to encounter resistance. You're going to, you have some opportunity to really, you know, apply yourself and you can have a pretty good, you can have a pretty good run doing that. Whereas with women, I feel like it's way too far skewed towards things that are out of a woman's control, beauty, you know, for example, or how you look and how attractive you are to another mate. And yes, there's certain things you can do, but a lot of that is just out of a woman's control. And that's what, that's what society deems is a win for a woman, that a woman is beautiful, you know, and, and what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to make that happen? Well, surgeries and whatever, it's all, it's, it's really kind of messed up how, you know, the pressure that's put on that aspect. So I think in both sides, you know, society says that, the win is something that, you know, really isn't a true win for a conscious soul. But but I think actually men have it easier than women. Mm. Do you th- do you think that they have it easier when it comes to finding the ways to do the internal work? Well, I think there's you know there's also some pressure for men not to be sensitive and not to be vulnerable. And I think the internal work is the opposite of the external world that we're taught, you know, and men are taught in the external world that you overcome challenges with ferocity and intent and focus and discipline and all of these very young elements of like, I see obstacle, I smash obstacle, you know, whereas. (laughs) Thanks for the caveman interpretation. Whereas, you know, with all of the inner work, it's the opposite. It's how deep can you surrender? Like how vulnerable can you be? And, you know, that's uh, the other side of the coin that isn't taught, isn't taught to men. And uh, so I think in some ways it can be more challenging. Um, But then on the other side, you know, I think women, um, you know, are, are kind of taught not to attack their problems with the nut, with that kind of ferocity and, and stand in their power. And so I think, you know, they have a, you know, women have a different struggle. And obviously we're talking in generalities. There's differences across the board. Some men find it easier to surrender than to, <clears throat> than to stand in their power and vice versa. You know, it's the gender roles are, are very fluid here. But if you're talking generalities, I think both have challenges. But, um, you know, I, I think for men being vulnerable can be, can be difficult. Yeah. Has it been difficult for you? Well, you know, you learn pretty quick. That's the great thing about the plants, you know, and I've been on a, you know, I've done a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies and a lot of variety of the, the great plant medicines of the world done in the, in the shamanic tradition. And the thing is, there's not a lot of room for variance from that path without getting sternly punished, you know. So the more you resist, you know, the surrender process with the plant like ayahuasca, the more hellish the experience becomes or a boga or wachuma or so you really get to learn that skill in a way that it just like, this is the only way to do it. And then you understand that only in true vulnerability are you actually, you know, in your power. Like a warrior, a spiritual warrior goes to battle without armor. Armor is a sign that you need to be protected, that there's something that can be wounded by the world. And when you go vulnerable with your arms open, 
and recognize that, you know, no one can hurt you unless you allow them to hurt you, that, you know, your love and your spirit is, you know, is untouchable. You're a diamond in a world full of pillows, you know, that you can't (laughs) actually be hurt. That's when you're truly, you know, truly in your strength. So it's just kind of a, you just have to get past that point where you think vulnerability is weakness and understand that actually vulnerability is strength. Yeah, it really is. And I think we we live in a very fear-based world. And so we're constantly on guard. And we're, we constantly think we need to protect ourselves from, from something. And, you know, with resistance, even people that haven't done plant medicine, it's, I see this all the time, like really resisting things in your life that you, that you don't like or that you don't want and continuing mm-hmm. to fight against them and exhausting yourself instead of surrendering and just going to that vulnerable place, which I think is, is full of uncertainty. And that's what makes it so freaking scary is because yep. we just, we just don't like uncertainty. We think that we feel better when we're in control of things. But the more we try to control things, the more we kind of block the universe from bringing in the things to us that really will put us on our most aligned path and help us live into our highest potential. I think that's one of the misunderstandings about living into potential. People think it's more of like a doing process, but it's really more of a releasing process. It's more of like letting go of the belief systems, letting go of the armor, letting go of what you think you know or what you think should happen and really letting it – let letting yourself kind of discover what you uniquely are here to do because we all have our unique purpose and it may not translate necessarily in terms of a career but we're all here for something we're not just here Mm -hmm. to like get married have 2.5 kids and go to the same job every day for 50 years and I think that's why so many people struggle with depression and anxiety and there's so much addiction is because we're not surrendering enough to really have our true potential revealed yeah. And that's, you know, that's really, you know, I'm, I'm launching an online course now and that's really what I call your win, you know, like understanding what your win is. And the first five weeks that I'm going to be teaching is, is about that, like understanding what your mission is, how your profession plays into your mission, how the connections help, how your, what your passion is and, and how that all works together, you know, to form this coherent thing that I call somebody's win. And it's just the process of going for it. That is the most liberating thing. It's not actually achieving anything. It's not like, winning the Super Bowl is. It's the process of going for it that is the win. No matter what, no matter what you are, what you're doing. And when you're on that path, you know, that's when I think people are the happiest. Because everything is just a path ultimately. But getting on your true path, your path with heart. Um, and in order to do that, you know, you have to be able to get still. You have to surrender, get still. And so, you know, we talk about a lot of those skills that you need. And then on the other side, once you actually know what your path is, you got to, you got to be able to fight, you know, you're going to have to fight against the forces of resistance and fight and fighting may mean just surrendering further, you know, like don't think of fighting as always an active process, but you have to show up and overcome resistance in whatever way makes the most sense. And sometimes it's going to require a lot of toughness. Sometimes it's going to require a lot of effort. Sometimes it's going to require a deep reconciliation of your fears and delusions and attachments. And, and it's, you know, really an interesting process, but I think, you know, when you're able to do that, a lot of these conditions that a lot of people try to get very, you know, reductionist about like what's going on in my brain, what supplements can I take, you know, all of that stuff is important. But I think being on the path to your win and going for it is probably the single best thing anybody can do for their mental health. 
I totally agree. And you have to be willing to go through the fire sometimes before you get there. It's not like sometimes. <laughs> I mean, pretty much always. <laughs> pretty much all the time, part, I guess. That's yeah. the nature of the, That's the nature of this game. You know, I mean, yeah. the game is that there's resistance equal to just barely our best efforts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like only at our best can we overcome resistance and move forward. That's the way you would want the greatest video game you could ever create. You know, you want to barely be able to beat that level. You know, and, and that's the way life is. And that resistance comes from within. So it it meters, you know, pretty perfectly. And yeah, there's outside resistance too, but most of the, the heaviest resistance is inward. Yeah. And and it, it'll meet you at, at the point where you can just barely outpace it, you know, to move forward. And and that's what we would want. Thanks for not letting me sugarcoat that because you're so right. It it is it is a fire. And I don't know anybody who has gone and achieved something that feels really on purpose and has stepped into their full potential that hasn't been on the floor at some point going, what's going on? Because it is chaotic in order for something to transform. And we have to face those things and we can't change unless we're willing to look at what's held us back and what's in our way. And that's what stops so many people is not wanting to be uncomfortable and not wanting to go through almost like a total deconstruction um, our ego really likes to hang on to who we think we are. So yeah, mm-hmm. it does take it does take that courage. So what what would you say to somebody who um, you know maybe in that kind of corporate hamster wheel and really is feeling the call to shift it, but they don't have any idea how to even begin? Yeah, I mean, and just to, I think you're absolutely right, just to add on to your former point before I jump into that latest question is like, even if if you actually get something that you think you want and you haven't faced the resistance, like look at people who've won the lottery or child actors, right? Like, it's not that you can dodge resistance, like resistance will come and find you mm-hmm. no matter, no matter what, even if you, if you get something that you haven't gone through the fire for, like, it's probably going to catch up to you at some point, like, we have that force of resistance internally and it's just it's just a part of the process so when you're feeling that obstacle and you're feeling that you know like lean into it because it's supposed to be there like understand that this isn't you you know oh woe is me the universe doesn't have my back like no it does like this is necessary this is the grindstone to sharpen your sword so you can grow yep exactly Exactly. yeah well said so yeah so if, if you're in the uh if you're in that kind of in that grind in the in the hamster wheel as you said I think the first step is really understanding what your mission is. Like we're all, we're all a force, a force in action, you know, a force of life. So what is that force? What effect does that force want to have on the world? You know, and then understanding that I think is the first key step. I mean, we're the wind that moves the tall grass. What is the tall grass? Like, what are you trying to, to, to achieve as far as the total effect, the cumulative effect of your force? And that's the very first step and and really understanding that. And then from there, you got to understand what resources you need to accomplish that. So maybe it is staying with your current job, but maybe it's applying, you know, instead of being so concerned about edging out that extra promotion and squeezing out an extra 10% or whatever it is, maybe you just realize like, oh, okay, this is the way that I accumulate enough resources that I can accomplish my mission, which is outside of this thing. Or maybe you can align it, ideally, you can align your profession with your mission directly so that you're actually earning money and and on the path while doing something that's contributing as well. And that's an ideal state. But that's not going to be the case for everybody. I mean, someone may want to 
contribute to the you know climate change but really what they're super good at is you know calculating insurance risk or something like that <laughs> you know what i mean and, and that's okay like we don't all have to be you don't have to you know leave your job and become an oceanographer or something like that like just understand what your mission is and then understand what role your profession plays so that way while you're there doing it you understand okay I'm here to, to accumulate the resources necessary for me to accomplish my mission in my spare time, you know, and, and then you just align it that way. And if there is an opportunity to, you know, become the risk analyst for Greenpeace or however you want to <laughs> align your efforts, you know, great and keep that in mind. But um, I think a lot of times people get stressed because they feel like, you know, you have to be you have to be doing something that's 100 percent in your passion or in, you know, aligned with your mission. Like that can come and in an ideal state, it will be there. And a lot of times that is the best choice. But a lot of times you just need to make some money yeah. and, and then understand what else you need to do to satisfy that the craving to, to achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, you've got to create the things in your life outside of your job or relationship or whatever it is mm -hmm. to start to bring that toward you. And the more you do that and create that, the more you start to trust yourself, the more stuff starts to come up because you're finally going, like you said, going for your win. So you have the resistance to work with. And then it really is a process. I mean, people ask me all the time how I built my career. And I think sometimes they expect me to answer, oh, well, you know, in just six months, I did this, this, and this, and everything changed. Yeah. And it was like, no, 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 no. Like this is a this is a twelve year like that's yeah. this is this has been a process and I think that you know my I look at my life and I look at externally things kind of have been slow and steady and that's because I've always made the internal work my priority instead of because mm -hmm. I, I did the external thing when I moved out to Hollywood and I saw that crash and burn pretty quickly and I'm very grateful to have had all the bright shiny objects early in life because. You know, as you know, Aubrey, and I'm telling all of y'all, like it, it's not fulfilling if you are not fulfilled inside, if you don't know who you are, if you're not clear, then nothing outside of you is ever going to do it. It will temporarily. You'll get that new job or that hot guy or girl will ask you out and it'll feel good in the moment or you'll make money. But then then all that stuff will come up, which is like why you said lottery winners a year later will be broke. Yeah. Um so let's let's talk about relationships because that's one of my favorite topics to talk about with you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people listening um, are either in relationships and or really wanting one. And one of the things that I've seen and that we've talked about is the expectation we often put on romantic partnership to be everything in our life and expect kind of this one person to fulfill all of our quote unquote soulmate needs. So can we just riff a little bit about the danger of that belief system? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've really tried to, in part of my path, I've tried to discard everything that people take for granted and then reconstruct what makes sense from the most conscious perspective possible. And I think we have a lot of, you know, strange ideas about love. You know, I mean, the, the idea that love hurts, right? I mean, that's it's something that's around and everybody would kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, love hurts. I've always been in that situation. But when you really break that down, it doesn't make any sense at all. Love doesn't hurt. Love cannot hurt. It is the opposite of hurt. It is the cure for all hurt. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it's like the sun, the sun cools. Like if you have <laughs> that idea in your head, 
you're going to be like really confused about life. Yeah. You know, it's like it like turns a fundamental principle upside down. Like love hurts and fear God, I think, are the two things that break people's minds the most. Mm. You know what I mean? Like because mm-hmm. because it, it's completely backwards. Though those things, there's no reason to fear God and there's nothing about love that hurts. So really in relationship, I've tried to build a new concept of love and that love is always a positive thing. No matter who you are sharing it with, love is positive. Love cannot or should not hurt anyone if it's cleanly applied, right? So so in that, I've really built a different idea of relationship where the, you know, the goal of a human in, in my my mind is to share and give like to give graciously and receive as much love as they possibly can and and this love is not in scarcity it's not like it's not like time for instance which actually is in scarcity it's abundant you know this when a when a mother has several children and the next child comes you know the people don't ask the mother man is it is it hard you know having your third kid and loving everybody, every other kid, 33% less, you know, like nobody asks that question because we understand that love is in abundance and it's not something that's quantifiable. So like understanding those, the nature of that love, you know, is really how I've started to, to build a new understanding of relationship and what that looks like. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's not something that I believe that we should try to own or something mm-hmm. that we should try to possess in somebody, love and pleasure. It's something that's everybody's right it's it's one of like the it's like air and water you know like it's something that every human needs and and so for me you know that's been the the challenge of my process is to to rework all of these archaic in my mind belief systems that about love and 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 i've had you know great teachers like don miguel ruiz who calls love the fallen angel for exactly that reason because all of the things that people have ascribed to love that aren't accurate you know, and, and really tried to rebuild my relationship. Um, I'm in a primary partnership with a beautiful girl named Whitney. Um, and, you know, I've tried to rebuild what a relationship looks like, understanding the true nature of love and understanding the, the highest principles of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been easy. <laughs> Like no, I know, no, I know from being your friend, it hasn't been easy because sometimes all. people hear that and it's like, oh, free love. That sounds awesome. And like, no, 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 no. Because as you've said, even more comes up because you're going against the stream and everything that you have to all those kind of human things about, you know, possession and jealousy, like those come, come, you have to face all those things. So it's not just like this free for all that makes it easier. I think in a lot of ways it's made it even, well, I don't want to say more challenging, but it's come with its challenges. Well, yeah, I mean, it puts you straight, straight up. So what is it, what is it about love that hurts? Well, it's the ego. Yep. You know, it's your attachments, it's the ego, it's your insecurities that get triggered. Yep. And, and it puts you straight up against that. Right. You know, it is, this is the fastest path that comes smashing right into your deepest insecurities. Yep. You know, and so you have to decide if that's something that you're ready for and that's something you want. And that's kind of, you know, the idea of, you know, there's only one choice to be warriors or ordinary. You know, that's what Carlos Castaneda said. And, you know, that's kind of a harsher way to put it. But that's kind of the idea that I've had. Like the warrior way is if you have an insecurity, something that you want to fix, you don't you don't just leave it there lurking around in your psyche. You go head straight towards it. And I think that's one of the benefits of, you know, of exploring this path where um, that I've been on. But it's it can be hell. I mean, uh, there's been. There's been, you know, I could tell a lot of specific examples, but there's just been days where I'm just 
devastated and in a funk and insecure and dealing with aspects of my ego, things that I thought made me a man that I, that I'm, that are being questioned and, mm-hmm. and really, but at the end of it, you become so much stronger. And, and then you look at the, you know, the emotional games of, of the world and that people are playing and, and you, you see that path and you say, wow, you know, like how much suffering could be prevented, you know, if you could just get beyond the ego and the insecurities that are causing those jealousies and causing these stupid fights about stupid things. So-and-so texted you, Bob, who cares, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and, uh, and so it's, it's been a, it's been a very, very rewarding process, but no doubt challenging. I mean, talk about going straight into the fire. Yeah. I mean, this is going head first into your, into a lava pool of your, <laughs> of your most painful issues. Yeah, it really is. Cause there's so much projection that comes up in romantic relationship situations. And I, I think a, a big source of it is, you know, when we're born, we're super connected to divine spirit, God, universe, whatever word works for you. And, and then life happens. We kind of come into the way this current paradigm is set up and we first project that God onto our parents and expect them to be the be all and end all. And they're our source of love. And then whatever we don't get from them or whatever we got from them that we still want, we then go project on a romantic partner and expect that person to, to be it. And it's just, it's just not where it's at. So I think that, you know, this path and really understanding love also requires an understanding of like, like you said, the nature of love and a connection to that agape love, that big love, and know that that's that's the source. It's not another mm-hmm. person. We can we can share in that. We are love, and when we're with another person, whether it be you know a friend, romantic partner, whatever. I mean, I love you. So it's like that love is mm-hmm. infinite. And when we're forced to compartmentalize that, and I think I think especially and generally speaking too, for women, there's this conditioning that. In, in heterosexual relationships that we need to be chosen, that mm-hmm. someone's going to pick us and that person then is deciding you're the one, I forsake all others because you're so, you, you are the one that I choose. And then, then, then that, makes, that makes, makes us matter. Like that makes us worthy in some way that we've been chosen. And it's yeah. such a tricky situation because that's just so not true. <laughs> It's just yeah. so, so not true. Well, and it's also, so if you derive your self-worth from that idea of he's chosen me and I'm the only one that he'll ever be interested in, then, you know, recognizing the, that that is in direct paradox with actual human nature, which likes variety and is going to be attracted to a variety of different people, just as we're, it's just the nature of humans, you know, I mean, and you can look at any survey or any statistics to back that up or anthropological records like in, in Chris Ryan's Sex at Dawn, however you want to look at it, we're, we're attracted to people, people are attractive to us. But if your whole self-worth is built upon being chosen as the only one that someone will love, yeah. you're setting yourself up for a life of suffering, because yeah. there's going to be a, a river of dishonesty between you and your partner. You know, because they'll be if you if you have that expectation of them, they're just going to be lying to you. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You know, if you're not if you think that the person you're with is not attracted to any other person, you're wrong. Like people are attracted to other people. It's just the nature of life. So you're, first of all, setting up a river of dishonesty between you and your partner who's supposed to be your primary ally, supposed to be your best friend. You know, but there's a massive chasm of dishonesty. So that's the first problem. And the second problem is ultimately you're going to see through that and you're going to, you know, have immense, immense suffering realizing that, 
you know, that person is not living up to that expectation that nobody can live up to, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's important to, no matter whether you choose a path that actually physically acts upon, you know, an open relationship principle where you're allowed to see other people, at least at the very least acknowledge human nature and allow, you know, the expression of that and, and talk about it. And, right. and that, that relieves so much pressure right there. You know, because right. at that moment, you're then again, primary allied, you can at least be like, yeah, you know, that would, you know, I'm definitely attracted to that person. And it's like, oh, yeah, I could see why. And mm-hmm. then it's still like, it's your best friend. And it's still like you can share that intimacy and not have the resentment and everything build up. And you're on the same team. Whereas if you're just lying to each other all the time, it's inevitably going to build secrecy and resentment. And mm-hmm. it's going to undermine, it's going to become the monster that eats the love that brought you together. Yep. Yep. Yeah, be mindful of that conditioning, man. I that was my wake up call. I I was so in that whole, you know, soulmate chosen. I'm going to get married and spend my life with someone, and then I got divorced, and that whole thing blew up. <laughs> you know, like it was like my whole belief system and conditioning. I had to go right into the fire and look at where I source my love and what I define, how I define relationship and and how I was projecting safety and security onto this, you know, man who was going to like take care of me. Just, just a bunch of that conditioning came up. And so I think that a lot of times when people are in relationship struggle or breakup or whatever, they focus too much on the other person and why the relationship didn't work instead of really looking at, wow, what is this bringing me face to face with? Like what fears, insecurities, belief systems, conditioning is this bringing up for me to look at so that I can really truly understand the essence of love? Because that's ultimately, I think, the purpose of why we're here is to get back to how we started, to really Mm -hmm. understand and be love. And mm-hmm. not have it conditional and not have it restricted and not have rules on it. Because like you said, that's that's ego. That's not love. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the opposite of love. I mean, I, I think to me, love's first law is that love is like the sun. It doesn't choose which plants and which creatures it shines upon. It just shines upon all, mm. you know, with, with infinite light and resource. And, and that's, you know, if, if you're going to have a symbol for love, you know, let it be the sun. And just recognize that if you're trying to tell another sun you know, not just sh- don't shine, don't shine on that tree. No, 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 not that flower. That flower gets no love. <laughs> exactly. Like what? like, what are you doing? Like, it's not, it's, it's defying the nature. It's turning love into something that's not love. Love wants to be the sun. You know, it wants to shine on, on everything. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, being mindful of that can help you avoid some of these pitfalls. Yeah. And having your tribe, you know, this is yep. another big part of your mission is like creating like a tribe of people that are, that are your family and, and, and they may you may have blood relatives in your tribe, you may not, but really knowing that your your family of origin isn't your only tribe and the importance of finding that community of like minded people so that you're not projecting, you know, everything on romantic partner or yourself. Like I think this whole being strong and being independent thing is way overrated. We're not ma- mm-hmm. meant to live like that. Yeah, agreed. And and you know, I think <clears throat> that's another thing that I think is another myth that that um you know, I've really explored. I, I'm fortunate. I have some great people in my family that will always be incredibly close to me. But, you know, ultimately, the the amount of emphasis that's put on, you know, the bloodlines in your like who, what blood you share is way is way out of proportion. You know, I mean, people had the the opportunity and the blessing to come together and birth you. But once you're birthed, you're an autonomous being. Like you are your mm-hmm. own soul embodied. 
you know, the fact that your your physical vessel shares some genetic semblance with somebody else's physical vessel is really not that important. Right. You know, like ultimately it's not that important. And I think, you know, yes, they've contributed in great ways to, to raising you. And that should be, you know, like cultivating something in a garden. Like it's still a peach tree. It's not your peach tree, but it happened to be you happen to water it and you happen to, you know, to contribute to its growth. Yeah. But I think that that emphasis that your family is like, you know, the blood family is above all else, you know, I don't think it needs to be there. I mean, it can be, but I think it should still be a choice. And I think people get bound by all of these expectations and they'll go their whole life trying to please or trying to yeah. react against some member of their family when you didn't even get to choose that, right. you know, so get back, you know, restore choice. I think choice is the most important thing that we can have. And get back to the point where you can choose every aspect of your life. You choose your, you choose the family that feels like family. You choose your partners. You choose what is going to serve you the best. And you can do it with love, you know, and, and, but make sure you restore that choice. So it's not just a random luck of the draw, you know, that, all right, well, this is the person that I'm bound to forever. No, not really. They had the, you know, they were just the people that brought you into life. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's important for parents listening to realize that too, that your children come through you, but you don't own them. Same thing with, you know, we talked about possession in romantic relationships. Like, are you trying to possess your kids? Are you living vicariously through them? Do you have an idea of how they, you think they should be rather than allowing them to discover that for themselves? And I think that's one of the hardest things about parenting is not having that possession and not thinking these these beings belong to you and really allowing them to have their own path. But to me, that's that's about conscious parenting. And that's, again, why I think like a tribe is important even in parenting. So a kid has a lot of different people around. So it's not just mom and dad that tell them everything it means to be about a grown-up. Yep, exactly. Because then if, the, if you only have one example of, of everything that you should be, it's going to be a limited sample set. You know, it'd be like, it, it really, it, that's the only time in life that, that we think that that's a good idea, <laughs> you know, that yeah. you should pattern yourself after two people only, you know, like, and it never really works out that way. A lot of times there's, you know, there's always some special other person in your family, but widen that circle. You know, yeah. like when I have kids, I really want them to spend time with all of the amazing people that I know. And so they can learn as many things from as many people as possible. So that it's not like they're trying to be me or trying to having me as the only example or their mom is the only example. They have a million examples of all, you know, all things to choose from. And I think that's that's really important. And I also think, too, that the idea that people stay together in toxic relationships for their kids, like the most important thing you can do is show your kids an example of genuine love. Yep. You know, and that's your responsibility. It doesn't matter if it's with your blood mom or and, and you guys are together forever. If you guys are miserable with each other, that's not showing that's not doing your kids a favor. You know, that's just patterning that, oh, love is miserable. You know, that's what it's that's what <laughs> exactly. it's patterning. You exactly. Know, like you, don't, you don't want them to have that framework. You want to show them like love and happiness and joy, who regardless of who it's with. Exactly. You know, and that's and that's the obligation that we have to our kids. Yeah. And kids feel it. Even when you think you're pretending everything's okay, they they feel it. They feel it. Yeah, so they're teach them far truth. more perceptive. Yeah, oh, gosh. they're far more perceptive than we give them credit. Yeah. Okay, I think this is my last question, and I'm excited to ask you this because one of the most common questions I get from women 
that are in heterosexual relationships with men, especially if they come to a retreat or they work with me and they do this work, is how do I get my guy to get on the personal growth path? How do I get him to start to do this work? Hmm. Any advice? Well, I think the only way is to just embody the change that you're experiencing and allow them to see it. Because I've tried the other way a million times. Like every time I've slightly coaxed and coerced and and got somebody to go along with me, it's never stuck. It's never really worked. The only time it's ever really worked is just me embodying and being the change and, and them taking a look and being like, damn, I want a piece of that. Look how Look how calm and conscious and happy you are. Like, how do I get me some of that? And then they're making the choice for themselves. Exactly. And, and I think that's absolutely essential. It's just, it's really never going to work if, if you're like making him a deal, you know, like, oh, well, if you do this, I'll do this for you. And he's like, all right, whatever, I'll go. Yeah. You know, I, and I think maybe there can be maybe at least to like slightly expose somebody to something if they're really reticent. I mean, there's always a place for, you know, a little bit of that. Like, look, you just need to take a peek you know, and understand this and maybe it'll pique someone's interest. But for the most part, you can't get anybody to do anything and have it be effective. It's so true. Oh, boy, did I try that. I also tried the like the the constantly um, emasculating and, and say, like little digs, like trying to, to, mm. to get him to change. <laughs> that work? Oh, that works. That, that was fantastic. That was great. That was yeah, yeah. great. Men really love that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's our, it's, it's our favorite thing. Favorite thing. Favorite yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and one of two things happen, either like, you know, the man will react and push back or just completely withdraw. And neither yeah. is good. So it's like focus on you. And what I tell women too is I'm like, you're so committed to him changing. Why don't you be that committed to you? Like get mm-hmm. so passionate about your own continued growth. And like you said, it's like eventually, maybe, we can't always count on it, but the only way, like you said, is they'll see it and they'll be like, huh, Wow. She's more peaceful. She's less critical of me. She's like really enjoying her life. She's like in her purpose and passion. And she's more even sexier. Like that's but at the same time, don't have an attachment to your work changing somebody else. Yeah. Do it for you. Do it for 100%. you. Hundred percent. And also, you know, also be humble. You know, I, I think I've seen it many times where someone will go and they'll spend a little time with the spiritual teacher and they'll come back and they'll pretend like they're a spiritual master. All exactly. of a sudden, and they'll be going. <laughs> I've to never their, done going that. To their partner, like going to their partner, like, oh, well, you just don't know. You're just not. You know, you're just not conscious <laughs> enough. Like, you wouldn't even understand. <laughs> you know, like, like that program. Like, don't do that. You know, don't that's like do the, that. That's the sheerest sign that you haven't really absorbed it, because that means that it's really just feeding your ego. You know, oh, like, totally. Like, totally. just understand that no matter how many of these seminars or things you do, just there's always an infinite amount more to learn. You know, oh, yeah. the, the master is always a perpetual student. So, um, you know, and I think if you keep that perspective, I think that'll really help as well. Yeah. Okay. So speaking about learning, mm-hmm. tell me where people can go for their win with you. Yeah. So, yeah, this is really interesting. You know, I, I went out in isolation and I wrote what I thought was going to be a book. It was 35,000 words. And I went in and I turned it into my editors and they're like, yeah, like this is at least three books. Like you can't, it's too dense. You can't put all this out as a book. It was like, well, crap. You know, I have this, I have this thing that's the teachings that for me can help people align them with their greatest path, train the essential skills to get there and, and overcome resistance. Like, 
I want to get this out, but if it's too dense, what can I do? And, and the answer was that I can help lead people through it myself, you know, be, uh, be, the, be the teacher there and have lectures and mastermind and we can really unpack this material together. Um, so that's why it became a course. And that course is at goforyourwin.com. And uh, it launches, um, last enrollment will be around November 3rd. And it's a 15-week course. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really, you know, I, it's, it's going to be cool to interact that personally with people. Because um, mm-hmm. obviously I encounter a lot of people in mass from the podcasts and the posts and the different things that I put out, the blogs and whatever. But really interacting with people consistently over 15 weeks is something I'm really excited about. And, and learning from them, learning how, how this material works, what kind of ideas and practices are really effective and which ones are less effective and, and really kind of honing this into a, into a real art and, and doing that with some people. And then when it's done, we're all going to hang out here in Austin and get together and put some actual faces behind the mm. behind. Um, mm. So I'm really, I'm really stoked about it. So yeah, I, anybody I who's too. interested check it out for sure so go for your win.com yep that's awesome and you guys can tell from aubrey like he's he walks the talk he is so passionate about sharing what he knows and what i what i love too about you aubrey is you're, you're just so humble and so honest about your journey and i think that makes you really relatable and it makes people really see that that, that they can do it and that it's not this like overnight you know, process. So thank you. Thank you for how you teach and how you show up. Of course. You know, I think it's it's important for people to know too that, you know, no matter where you are, me or you, we both get our ass kicked still, you know, like. Oh my God, I just did this week. Yeah. (laughs) With all the work that we've done, everything that that we've read, everything we've practiced, all the, everything we've done, we still get our ass kicked sometimes. So. But you know what's cool? That's that's the nature. It's the nature of it. But what's so cool about it is that the, the longer I've been getting my ass kicked, the more tools I have, the more friends I have like you that I can go to and be like, man, I am <laughs> yeah. like, I am on that bloody ledge. Like, ah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, your ass continues to get kicked, but you, you've got the tools and you've got more support systems. So, and, and I, I also think you, just because you've been through one major expectation hangover or one, you know, dark night of the ego, like you're not done. <laughs> there's going to no. be, there's going to be more. So that's, the, that's the whole you know process. What the, beautiful, the beautiful thing is though, it takes like the things that used to bother you, like the little things mm-hmm. that would set you off. You know, it takes ever increasing, you know, things to really, really challenge you, which is great because, you know, if I look back, I was constantly getting beat up by little things that I don't even feel. It's like the the ship was so small back in those days that any little chop in the waters and I was getting nauseous and ready to bail out. Yeah. You know, now at the point it takes some pretty big waves to rock the boat. So it's not that the big waves don't come. But it's just that it's a lot nicer when you're not getting tossed around by every little (laughs) little bit of turbulence. It's so true. It's so true. Well, this has been so fun. And I also want to say Aubrey and I are talking about hosting a retreat together for men and women. So that'll be super fun. Look out for that. Yeah. 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 It'll be fun to play with you. I love you. Thank you so much for for being on Coach's Corner and sharing just who you are with everybody. Appreciate you so much. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah, and everybody check out On It too. You can even go to onit.com slash Christine and get a little discount. Best supplements. I love Alpha Brain. So much good stuff. Check it out. And Aubrey, I'll see you soon. 